Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. My name is Miles Dawson, I am your host today, and uh, we're going to be looking at the ever-changing world of artificial intelligence, or AI, and how the regulators are starting to wake up to this new world and put some frameworks around the usage of it. For example, in April 2021, the European Commission published a proposal for a new Artificial Intelligence Act, which uh, they say seeks to create a legal framework for trustworthy AI across the EU. Now, this could be pretty big news. So to help us discuss this, we have two expert analysts with us today. We have Neil Ward-Dutton and Jack Vernon. Welcome to both. Hey, Miles. Hi, Miles. Hello. Um, I wonder if you could just give yourselves a quick introduction for our listeners. Uh, Neil, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Neil Ward-Dutton, and I work at IDC in Europe, leading our AI and our automation practices. And I'm Jack Vernon, and I work with Neil uh, on our European AI Strategies Research Service. Fantastic. So let's talk about this proposed act. Um, What is in the act? Um, And give us a bit of background about it. Yeah, so I'll just take this one on, Neil. Um, The proposed EU Artificial Intelligence Act, all the paper that we have today, is really the result of kind of three years' worth of, of work Um, which began back in 2018 when the European Commission formed a high-level expert group, which is like a group of industry professionals and regulators and and people from the legal sector to kind of discuss uh, how and whether uh, the Commission should be regulating the AI market in Europe. And and we kind of have this proposal today after a number of of previous reports and, and white papers. And what the Commission has chosen to do is really take an approach of of, um, looking at different applications of AI and dividing dividing them up in terms of in terms of risk so we've kind of had three tiers within that so there are systems which are considered too risky which the uh, EU has decided to, to ban entirely there are systems which the EU is considering high risk so is introducing some kind of legal uh, frameworks around um, and uh, vendors and users of those systems will need to kind of negotiate those and there's kind of a third tier as well of low risk systems which were going to be governed by codes of conduct and those codes of conduct are going to be drawn up by the member states themselves right and um so how how uh, a lot of this comes together miles is um with a central EU database um, specifically focused on the high risk category of AI systems and uh, providers of high risk systems are going to have to register the systems that they build and deliver. And along with a number of other commitments, providers of AI systems have to submit a, a pretty wide range of data and information about a system's accuracy, the potential risks it, it presents. Um, it has to provide reports relating to the design of the AI models that are used uh, and also information about the data that the model was trained on and the process involved in the data's collection. So it's it's a it's a quite a big, expansive kind of central database that's imagined here. And then I guess the last piece to talk about um, at, at the high level here is is penalties, right? So what what could happen to organizations if they don't comply ultimately with the proposed regulation. And as with the GDPR, uh, this proposal puts forward some pretty stiff kind of parameters for fines for organizations that fail to comply. Fines for non-compliance 
proposed to range from 30 million euros to 6% of global turnover, whichever figure is higher. So that could be an awful lot of money. And it's also worth mentioning that the proposed act has this concept of extraterritoriality built in. Try saying that after you've had a couple of drinks. Um, just as with the GDPR, this means that it's not only providers based in the EU who will be affected, any provider that provides a system which will be used within the EU, affecting EU citizens or organizations, will be subject to it. So this is gonna be interesting and relevant to vendors in the US or in, in Asia, for example. So does this cover just AI software that you can kind of, you know, like um, natural language processing, that kind of thing, or does it include embedded systems like the kind of things that you get in self-driving cars, for example, neural networks? Is it across the board with all these different kind of forms of um, technology? Yeah, so the way that the EU's kind of defined uh, artificial intelligence um, in this piece of legislation is is very, very broad. So you, you basically got a, Every single kind of data science technique uh, it will be defined as AI the way the way they've kind of posed it. So, um, yeah, in terms of those different techniques that you've mentioned there, Miles, they will definitely be covered by this. Um, I think the, the other question you were kind of asking there around uh, embedded AI systems and perhaps systems which you might be kind of training or developing yourselves. I think there's a, this is a little bit more of a, a gray area, which um, I think Neil might be commenting on later later on in the, in the talk, but it's it's kind of a little bit difficult to determine the way the legislation is worded at the moment, uh, where the responsibility will rely in terms of submitting information to say the high risk AI database, which Neil was talking about. Uh, one of the things that the proposed regulation does talk about is that uh, where you have AI that's embedded in other things like for industrial for example industrial machinery or toys or consumer products of other kinds then essentially there's a kind of there's a delegation uh, in there so what happens is that the proposal uh, advocates that other legislation that already exists to control the quality of those products also is expanded to cover AI that goes into those products so there's a there's still some detail to be worked out in terms of exactly how this proposed regulation on AI and, for example, regulation on toys or on other types of consumer products, how those will interact. So that's still uh, an area which I think needs more development. I suppose from an IDC perspective, we're always interested in the market, right? So do you think we know enough from this proposed act to be able to predict the likely impacts on the market in the, across Europe? Right, so, so I'll, I'll take this first and then I'll, I'll get Jack to come in a little bit uh, in a second. So no, <laughs> is, is the short answer, Miles. Um, I mean, there's the issue um, really of, for example, uh, you know, the embedded systems issue. Um, so where you have AI embedded in something like a car or a piece of industrial machinery, um, what exactly happens in terms of the, the kind of integration of the regulation between this AI proposal and the other regulation that already exists to uh, control the quality of consumer products and those kinds of things. So that's one key thing that I still think needs more work. But beyond that, um, there's a number of other uh, unanswered questions. So I think w the team of us who've already looked at this proposal all feel that there's a, a really sound framework at the heart of, of it, but there's still a number of open questions. And the first one is really all about where responsibilities lie. 
and throughout the proposed regulation as it's written at the moment, the bulk of responsibility for delivering uh, trusted AI systems falls on, in quotes, the provider. Uh, and providers uh, of high-risk applications and systems are responsible for all kinds of procedural stuff in terms of how systems are built and documented. And they're responsible for adding systems to this central database we talked about. And they have to take care about the quality of training data and create quality management systems and so on. Now, placing all the burden for compliance on providers is entirely appropriate in situations where organizations take highly packaged systems uh, off the shelf from providers. But in most situations, this isn't really what happens. Um, the supply and implementation of AI systems is a lot more complicated. There are very often, um, there's kind of tools and platform providers, but then you've got application and solution providers and systems integrators as well in the mix. And in, in reality, end customers, you know, banks or insurance companies or government departments or retailers may also play a lot of the supply roles themselves by building systems internally that are never kind of placed on the market, which is a key part of how providers are, are defined in the proposal. And so the proposal just doesn't seem to deal with this very well. Uh, and, and that's a key question because until that's really resolved, it's hard to see who's really going to be affected. The second question is, is all about this database we've been talking about. The issue here is it's not really clear what needs to be recorded. Is it each high risk system? So let's say, for example, an AI based application for determining eligibility for insurance. Um, that's the kind of thing that would be classified as high risk. Uh, now, is it each high risk? Is it each kind of application? Or is it each implemented instance of that application? So, for example, that app might be impl implemented in like 10 different insurance providers or, or, or more. And this is really important because it's entirely possible for one app to be implemented in many different ways and trained on different data sets even and managed in good ways or quite poor ways. So one instance of an app could have a really different risk profile from another. And then there's a third question, which is about how the regulator expects information to be added to the database. Right now, there's no real detail on this at all. And our concern is that it becomes a, a really bureaucratic process, which is managed by auditors and consultants. But there's an opportunity for it to become more automated and, and also to kind of drive real innovation around things like AI explainability tools, which Jack has a, a really good and strong focus on. Um, and we've also got some questions about the, the extent to which the proposal really puts the citizen at the heart of its approach. Even though the proposal purports to be about defending human rights, for example, the proposal suggests that AI-based systems that interact with individuals should be clearly labelled in some way so that individuals know they're dealing with an AI. But what are citizens supposed to do with that knowledge? Can they opt out? must a provider offer an alternative non-AI based system that they can work with instead if they don't want to use an AI system? And lastly, there's the issue of um, national security exceptions, which are kind of loose and vaguely defined. And it seems like certain classes of applications and providers might be able to circumvent the regulation entirely, but there's just not enough clarity here. So to, just to round all that off, um, you know, there's a really good start here but there are still a number of out, uh, outstanding unanswered questions which need quite a lot more work, I think, 
uh, until we're able to be very sure about what's going to happen in terms of market development. But Jack, um, you, you carry on. Yeah, just to chime back in, I think aside from the issues uh, that Neil outlined, I think there are a few kind of high level uh, conclusions that we can take away in terms of the impact that this is going to have on the market. For instance, you know, those systems that are banned or those systems that fall into this high risk AI use case um, segment are definitely going to see some increased costs in terms of the bureaucracy involved in uh, getting them certified by the EU now and onto that database and also um, uh, you know, uh, uh, maintaining the, those systems on that database as, as well. So I think that's definitely going to have to a degree, and we're not quite sure what, what type of, what degree it will be, uh, like a, a dampening effect on the market for those systems, at least in, in the short term as, as this regulation comes to market. I think there's a, a question on the long term, though, in terms of the, perhaps the improved certainty around how um, to deploy these systems in future. So as, as this legislation kind of gets ironed out a bit more and organizations get used to submitting systems to this high risk use case database, I, I think that could actually improve confidence and certainty moving forward after, we, after we've had this for, for a few years. Um, for those systems that fall into the kind of unregulated uh, segment again, or or the segment governed by code of conduct as as opposed to sort of strict uh, legal requirements, I think again, you know, we're going to the the long term certainty uh, in knowing that these use cases aren't going to be regulated will give a boost in confidence to those investing in them. Um, I think the the other impact on like the AI systems market that we're going to see is, as, is, as Neil kind of alluded to a little bit before, is that I think we're going to see a greater focus on AI lifecycle and explainability tools as a result of this for two reasons, really. First of all, you know, you've got that AI audit that's going to be in place uh, because of the, the high risk use case database. And I think there's a real opportunity for tools around explainability and uh, AI lifecycle management to, to play a direct role there, um, particularly in getting data uh, around exploring things like model accuracy. Um, so I, th I think there's quite an, a direct boost that, that will happen there. And I think kind of on the second order effects, um, the legislation will in general put a greater focus on transparent AI or raise the profile of that within the European Union. Um, so I think that will generally encourage more uh, vendors across, more vendors and users across the block to employ explainability and uh, lifecycle management tools. And I think that the codes of conduct could play a bit of a role here as, as well. So thanks very much. That's really helpful as an overview about the potential impact. But I suppose the next question is, what's the timeline? What happens next, Jack? Well. At this point, what we're going to see is is kind of a back and forth between the various sort of stakeholders within uh, the European Union. So that's the the Commission that's kind of drawn up this proposal, uh, the European Parliament, and the Council of Ministers, which is essentially the uh, ministerial representatives from the member states. They will pass this legislation back and forth between themselves now uh, until they can kind of find an agreement um, 
or, or on how to proceed and how it should come into uh, this can take sometimes a couple of years uh, sometimes a shorter time period but i think realistic expectations given the kind of complexity of this regulation and some of the, some of the issues that uh, neil has outlined that i think we we won't expect to see it uh, until at least 2023 realistically so i think for vendors and end users that's really a good amount of time to prepare um, to kind of strategize how it's going to impact uh, their business potentially and also you know for them to kind of follow the process of, of this as well and that would be like one of the uh, my strong recommendations at least is to really begin thinking about this this now because it could have a definitely a large impact on, on the market moving moving forward uh, yeah and so um, you know as Jack mentioned you know we've got a couple of years where this is going to continue to develop but you can be sure that uh, Jack and I and our wider team, you know, we're committed to watching this developing area really closely. Uh, later in the summer, uh, you can expect us to publish um, a scenario-based set of forecasts for the AI market in Europe that explores how the market might be affected by this proposed EU AI Act. Um, the full research and analysis will only appear in our European AI Strategies Research Programme but we're also uh, gonna be sharing some of our high level findings openly through things like infographics and videos. So watch this space. Okay, thank you. And I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. So I'd like to thank Neil and Jack for talking us through the details of um, this new development. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, our listeners. If you have any opinions or thoughts on this new uh, you know, proposed regulation, whether you think there's any significant impact, get in touch. You can find us on LinkedIn or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this new development. And of course, do subscribe to our podcast. We're, we're back up and we're running podcasts more frequently again. You can find us on Spotify, you can find us on SoundCloud or whatever podcast delivery system you happen to use. So thank you all very much. Um, I wish you all good health and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.